friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. Ah, the very best time of all, the fall. Welcome back, dear listeners. Have a sip of your favorite pumpkin-flavored beverage and settle in for another invigorating episode of There's No People Like Show People. You know, I firmly believe that the theater community is all about support and helping each other out. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a written review. We love hearing from you. And give us a follow on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People. Check out our official podcast merchandise at www.there'snopeoplelikeshowpeople.itemorder.com. Again, all one word, www.there'snopeoplelikeshowpeople.itemorder.com. Each purchase really helps us out. I can't thank you enough for supporting us and continuing to share the podcast with your friends and theater family. Wherever you are in the world today, sending you so much hope, joy, support, and love. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. So I had the pleasure and the joy of attending the Maryland Renaissance Festival this past weekend. So much fun. If you are in the area, Pennsylvania, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, you have to check it out. It was canceled last year due to to the pandemic, but they are back in full swing this year. It's in Crownsville, Maryland. And I have to give a big shout out to my awesome uncle, Daniel Aaron Stewart, who has his own store there. It's called Iron Antler Forge. He does metal sculpture. He does custom jewelry, custom work. He's an author. He's written four books. I'm saying I do all of his social media marketing, so you got to check him out. This is just like a little, and there's no people like show people is being represented at the fair this year. You can take a picture with the coffee mug. If you haven't checked out our merchandise, please visit www.there'snopeoplelikeshowpeople.itemorder.com. Okay. Friends, I'm super excited for our guest. Let me just paint a little picture for you. It is almost 10 o'clock at night because our next guest is a wonderful mother to two beautiful children. We've known each other for such a long time. I love when I get to talk to other moms on this podcast because it is very rare. Because let me tell you, friends, the juggling act is real. It is real. There's a lot of balls flying in the air at all times when you are juggling working and being an artist, being a performer, being a mother. It's just a lot. So I like to call this when the children are asleep, after hours, real talk. Um, She is just such a lovely human being. She's an artist, a performer, a mom. We've known each other for so long and we did the national tour of A Christmas Carol together many, many, many years ago. Welcome to the podcast, Kirsten Voorhees. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I'm a big fan and I'm just happy to be here and to add to it. Well, thank you so much. I am so happy that you're here. I know that we have been meaning to record this episode for about six months now. Sounds about right. Yeah, we've just, we text back and forth and it's like, how are you? Oh, I'm just doing 800 things. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm also doing 800 things. So, you know, that's, that's where we're at, where we are recording this over Zoom. And so where are you this evening? I am sitting in my lovely living room with two children who are asleep and I kicked my husband out to the porch. So all is good. (laughs) I am alone in a room, which is unusual and, but we're making it happen. Yes. I, it's always so weird when it's just completely quiet. Don't you think? It is. And I love it. (laughs) So nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Paul will ask me, my husband, Paul will ask me like, do you want to watch something? Do you want me to turn something on? I'm like, no, I just want the quiet. Mm -hmm. It's, It's so nice. So yeah. It's so nice. Okay. Well, I always ask people, where are you from and how did you get into theater? So I am from Clinton, Iowa, which is about a half an hour north of the Quad Cities. Um, There's lots of theater there. Uh, We're very lucky that about a half an hour north on the Illinois side is the Circa 21 Dinner Theater. Uh, My hometown of Clinton, Iowa has a professional summer stock called the Clinton Area Showboat, also called the Lillian Russell Theater, also known as the Boat That Don't Float. It's a big old Mark Twain paddle boat that has been docked on rocks. And so different levels of the boat have been made into the theater. The bottom part, which would usually be underwater, is the ticket office and lobby and concessions. Then the next level has a ramp that goes up to its main seating and the stage and the scene shop is there. I mean, everything is on site. And then the next level up, which would be the balcony, is also then if you went across would be behind stage was the uh, dressing rooms and then the captain's booth on top, which is the coolest 360 view of the river is the costume shop. So it's really cool. And so having that kind of access in my hometown was really neat. Uh, Very near to us is also Timberlake Playhouse, which also does professional summer stock as well. So lots of stuff in the area. Very, very cool. Yeah, as for starting as a kid, uh, I, I think it was just all the things that I was interested in kind of added up to like musical theater. I love dance. My mother put me in it at three. I loved it. I love to sing. My dad has a memory of me taking the coffee percolator apart and using it as a microphone. <laughs> he has a recording of me too young singing material girl. And because I was so young, I thought it was, I'm a cheerio. I'm a cheerio girl. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah he has a recording of me doing that yeah very young so you add all those things together and any summer camp that I could get my hands on through the college or anything else there that had anything to do with arts I did so there you go what is the first show that you did you know I had to dig because I was like it was a middle school show it was like my first formal show not just like a school put together play you know and it was Tumbleweeds, the musical, a pioneer <laughs> musical. 
but I don't really count it because man, I have no memory of it. So it was that remarkable, you know, but the next year we did Wizard of Oz and I played Glinda and that I remember very much so being like my middle school theater, a real show on stage, lights, costume, action, go. I remember that being like my real big first show. Hmm. It's shocking that Tumbleweeds, the musical wasn't more memorable. I had to look it up. I remembered the name, but I remembered nothing of it other than looking like Laura Ingalls Wilder. Like that's all I remembered, like braids and a pioneer dress. That's all I remembered of it. Yes. Prairie, prairie fashion. Yes. Which I got to tell you, walking through Target the other day, prairie fashion is very in this fall, like floor length, floral, like long sleeve dresses. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the fall prairie fashion. Okay. Sounds <laughs> awesome. I haven't been inside a store and I can't tell you how long, so I wouldn't know what was out. <laughs> Not even a clue. Not even a clue. So did you, you went to college for theater? Yes. I- I did. I went to Indiana University. And at that point, they did not have an official musical theater major. So you had a choice. You could either do this kind of like create your own major and do a musical theater kind of thing, or you could go just strictly through the music school and dabble in the theater school, or you could go strictly through the theater school and dabble in the music. So I chose to stay a theater major. I was a theater major because I wanted to do plays too. Mm-hmm. straight place especially um I had a great interest in that and I still do um and I always find it a treasure when I get to do one uh but yes so I was luckily I was lucky enough that the musical theater professor that uh, ran the IU program George Penny he just retired a couple of years ago he loved actors He loved to work with actors. He loved actors that could also dance and sing. He had no problem that you were not like his baby or like in his class. And so I took dance classes through the dance school. I took voice lessons from the same guy that did all of, you know, the musical theater kids. And I stayed in the theater school. And so that's kind of my, my track as I went through college. Yeah. And then from there, I feel like you've worked everywhere. You've worked all over the country. I have been very lucky. I I think that I have gotten to work younger than most as a character woman. I feel like a lot of producers looked at me and said, I won't even be able to hire you when you're 40 because everyone's going to want a piece of you. Um, (laughs) You know, when you're like 20, 22 years old going, that's great. So what do I do now? Yeah. So. No, but I think I have gotten to do a lot of things that have been very fortunate Yeah, to work yeah. a lot of places. What do you think are some of the things that you've really struggled with when it comes to this career? Struggling. Um, I would say probably on the earlier end when I was younger, you can't change your height and you can't change your build that much. I mean, you can lose some weight, you can gain some weight. But being in the time that I was coming out of school, there still were those real archetypes of you fit this and you fit this and you fit this. So I was lucky, I was lucky enough to 
land into some companies that thought outside the box that would be like, dang, she can actually dance. Sure, I'll put you in the chorus or I'll put you in the singing chorus or whatever, where some companies wouldn't have done that just based on look. Mm -hmm. So I would say the biggest challenge is, is that you can't change what you look like. So you aren't always going to fit the box, but you know, theater is changing now. It's evolving to encompass so many different body structures and you don't have to look so cookie cutter anymore. And that's really been embraced. And I love that. That just wasn't the way theater was when I graduated and came out into the world. So I would say that was an earlier struggle later on as you have children, it's more of the life balance. Mm -hmm. I would say that's the hardest thing. And I have not figured it out. I'm still, uh, I saw some mom and she doesn't even do theater, but she teaches um, choir for middle school. And it was this meme that said, next week, next week, things will slow down and, and, and I'll be fine. And then you say that over and over again for the rest of your life, because it never does. It's no. never going to slow down. No. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I look at my to-do list, which I create on my phone for, okay, this is what I have to do today. These are what I, weekly goals, monthly goals, whatever it is. And then you feel like, wow, I feel super productive. I feel so accomplished. I checked off, you know, seven things off the list. And then you're like, oh, great. Now I can sit down and relax. And then you look back at the list. You're like, there's like 12 more things on the list that I, and it's every day is like that every single day. So yeah. I, I feel that <laughs> that's, it is hard, especially when you have kids and you are also, um, you know, still in this business and trying to teach and perform or, you know, any sort of capacity, it's just like the hours are weird. The hours are strange and finding childcare is difficult, reliable, affordable childcare. <laughs> uh-huh. We're both nodding our heads. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It is a struggle bus central, especially when you add COVID on top of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, fortunate enough that my husband has gotten to still do theater as well, but it's not always here. So if he travels, then I am single parenting, which you understand very well. Sure do. Single parenting is not for the faint of heart. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a lot. But again, it's very important, as we all know, for arts people, that if you have this amazing opportunity, you're going to move mountains to do it. Mm -hmm. And so you're happy to do it. But you're like, who I am looking at that light at the end of the tunnel like this is this contract's going to end in a week. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, yeah. Is, it is like constantly figuring out this giant, crazy jigsaw puzzle. Yes, that is um, a good way to. Yes, of life. So how has your pandemic experience been? Interesting, fortunate. Um, so pandemic hit and I was newly pregnant. We did not know that the pandemic was going to hit when we decided to have a second baby because things were going very well for us at that moment in January uh come march you know complete shutdown that was tough uh i will say now on the other end of it it made us slow down it made us spend time with each other i got months with my 
then three and a half year old son that I would have never gotten. Oh, actually he was just turning three at that point. I apologize. By the end of it, he was three and a half, but he was just turning three because he wasn't quite three. And we were like, let's potty train the kid. Well, we're on lockdown. No better time than now. Nobody's going anywhere. So Paul and I were like, okay. Cause you know, before when we were like, okay, potty training, we're never home at the same time. It's going to have to be like one and then the other juggles and then the other juggles. And we're like, oh man, this is going to be, this is going to be hard. Then we're like, well, we're here. Let's do it. So that's how we spent the beginning of our lockdown. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a summer contract, which was very unusual. It went from indoor to outdoor theater at Tibbetts Opera House mm -hmm. in Coldwater, Michigan. We had worked there for many years on and off. It was the artistic director that we're very close to's last summer. I know what a crappy way to go out before yeah. retirement. And he was like, we're going to make this happen. We're going to pare down. We're going to change our shows. We're going to do a skeleton crew that are basically going to quarantine with each other. And that's it. And then we were like, we have a three-year-old. So you want us? And I'm going to be very pregnant by that time. And he was like, I don't care. Come on. So we went and we went to Michigan and we all together hunkered down and we did great shows and it was fun and it was amazing and I'm glad I got to do it and then I came back to a theater that was still open which was different than a lot of people mm -hmm. I work mostly at Derby Dinner Playhouse in Clarksville Indiana and I am a footnote that means I sing the pre-show entertainment I wait tables at the same time and I do shows there from time to time as well. And they have had to close down a couple times this year, but they've always reopened, which is lovely. And we did half capacity and we did full masking and we did at table service instead of a buffet. And we've done, yeah, we've done lots of different things to keep open. And I am very fortunate to work for a company that is still open. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is sort of the story of almost every theater, ev everywhere. They, uh, they, some of them have been closed this entire time and, and we're not still sure when they're gonna reopen or some have opened and then they got shut down again because of the restrictions or because of a, an outbreak or for whatever reason, but it's, it's just, you know, it's been such a tough time for everyone. It's been yeah. re real, real rough. Yes. It has, I, I think when you don't get to do the thing that you love and it's taken away, you realize how precious it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what this last summer was for us during that lockdown, getting to actually do shows and just watching every friend's comment, like, how are you getting to do this? How is this happening? How is this still happening? I thought there was no theater going and we're like, outdoor venue, lots of airflow. Everyone is masked. Everyone. There is no exceptions in that audience. Yeah. They were like, oh, sorry, if you are not a person that cannot wear a mask, work." they actually got the rights to film it. So then they could actually let their season subscribers watch it via afterwards, nice. which was really interesting. Yeah. They filmed us like three different performances during the run 
-hmm. And then they put, they spliced them together so that there are seasoned subscribers who were compromised or could not wear masks or didn't feel comfortable coming out, could actually log in and watch, which was really cool. It was really cool. They did a great job. Good job, Tibbets. Good job. Good job, Tibbets Opera House. Yeah. <laughs> How was your experience performing while pregnant? Now, did you, did you, you performed with both of your pregnancies, right? I did. I'm sure it was um, probably very different or the same. Yes. Different. Yes. Um, both pregnancies. I don't know. I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know. I did a show like I closed James and the giant peach and had Sullivan less than two weeks later. Wow. Like that. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be a month left. I didn't make it. I will say that was an interesting situation because it was just so much fun to play Auntie Sponge, but it was a full kick your face sing musical. Breath control is very hard at the end, um, running around on a big stage. Like this was at the Kentucky um, Center for the Arts, which means it's a huge ass age. Yeah, it's big. It's big. It's a big stage. So yeah, getting yourself across that, like in running scenes and stuff like that was was real. Um, I just remember thinking, why am I so out of breath? Well, yeah, well, that's why you're out of breath. Um, so yeah, it was an experience. We had this because it was, um, for youth, they took this break near the end of the run for a couple of days for spring break because the kids were out of school and things like that. And then we came back and did one more week of the show. And I remember taking that break and coming back for the last week of the show and like holding my sides and going, it's a good thing we're closing in a week. Like this is starting to get really, really hard. Mm -hmm. um, second time around, um, same kind of deal. I went up to Tibbetts Opera House to do their summer theater and we closed the last show a month before my due date. <laughs> so yeah fully pregnant. Luckily it was a nice, cool summer up there. So I was like, my first thought was I didn't sign up to do outdoor theater, fully pregnant. That, that seemed very, yeah. <laughs> like I was like going to punish myself, but it was really awesome and it wasn't stinking hot and it was lovely. And I'm just really glad I did it. But yeah, I would say towards the end of that last show, I was just like, okay. Yeah, this is, yeah this is real. Yeah. So. I, I made it the first six months of my pregnancy performing. And, you know, I think I could have made it like another month. I think I could have made it up to seven months, but then once you start to get into the like eight, nine, 10 month range, everything is just real uncomfortable and you, you can't sleep and everything, you know, it's like, everything is your, your feet and your ankles and everything is swollen and you waddle and you know, <laughs> it's just like your back hurts my, my lower back. Oh man. Yeah. I will say, I feel like I was tested both times <laughs> because, uh, both, both pregnancies, I waited tables up to like the day before I had the children. So <laughs> Yeah. Before Sullivan, I worked a double the day before. 
Yeah. Okay. You are like the strongest person I know. <laughs> or the dumbest. One or the other. No, uh, I don't know. Strongest. I think, I think as actors, we're always looking for the next gig <clears throat> because nothing is ever a paid leave for us, including maternity leave. There is no maternity leave. You, it's the first time in your brain, you're like, there's no income coming in for six weeks. There's no income coming in for six weeks. I have to work as hard as I can until I cannot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just inherently in us. Now, I will not say I've done myself maybe a service because I did that. Um, definitely my second pregnancy around my uh, uh, doctor was like, so maybe not doubles before you have this baby. Just maybe. <laughs> Maybe we just go down to single shifts, please. Yeah. Single shifts. And she was right. I came back and I like worked like a week of like, you know, regular schedule that which the manager and I was like, okay, I'm going to need to not do doubles. I said, I can do single shifts, but not doubles. And that's because when I came back, I came back into full pandemic table service, full mass, full PPE. Now it's hard enough to breathe fully pregnant. Now you add on masks, gloves, and it's the heat of the summer. It's August, early September in Louisville, which is very, very hot and very humid. And we added that everything was at table service, plated meals, but we were taking full orders that we were not doing before. This was a buffet place before. Mm -hmm. So it's not set up to do that. So we were pretty much figuring out a band-aid situation to stay open. What happened was very happy patrons. It was very difficult on the staff. It increased our workload by about five times and our sections were cut in half because now you can't handle as many people because you were taking full orders, yep. but that also cut your money in half. So the workload was about five times as hard in that heat with that PPE. Yeah, I, I definitely, had a, it was hard. It was very difficult. And I had many people ask me, I do not know how you're doing this. I don't know how I'm doing this. And I'm not even pregnant. I don't know how you are doing this. And I said, because you just do, because you have to, you put one foot in front of the other and you keep moving forward. You don't have another choice. You're going to do it. And so I did it. Am I stronger because of it? Sure. Um, but is it something that I wish ever to do again? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. The other time uh, at the end of being um, pregnant with Sullivan, the air conditioner broke at Derby dinner. Yes. Um, nearing May, which is again, very warm. Um, I will say broke because someone stole the copper from the actual air conditioning like huge unit out back. So there was no repairing it. So we lived for a very long time, fully pregnant waiting tables with no air conditioning in a theater. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I was tested both times. This is why I feel like I was tested both times. Yeah. It's tested both times. Yes. Yeah. And this is why you are one of the strongest people that I know <laughs> because like, but I, I can relate to that in such a way, because people always talk about whenever anyone says I'm a single mom or I'm a single parent, or whenever anyone says that almost, I can tell you exactly what they're going to say. They're going to say, I just, I, I don't know how you do it. I just can't even imagine. 
And you, and do you want to know what I always want to say every single time mm-hmm. I say, well, imagine it because I'm doing it. <laughs> so it can be done. <laughs> yes. 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 It's not easy. It is not easy. It is not easy. It is not easy. No, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it, and it really is like taking care of, you know, a newborn and, and an infant and a toddler and, and sort of all the first couple of years is the most, it is physically demanding, but I think it, it is the, it's mentally and emotionally demanding. Like that's what it, that it really, really tests you <laughs> daily. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Very much agreed. I think the other biggest thing about theater that is different while being a parent that we have figured out is there's no sick days in theater. Now that's not a big deal when you're a single person or a married person. That's not a big deal. You're like, okay, I have a cold or okay. You know, I I don't feel the greatest today, but I'm going to go and do my show. A lot of theaters pre COVID did not even have understudies or swings. That means you go in no matter what. There is no missing a show. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to you, your husband's out of town and you have a sick kid and you don't have family here. You yeah. cannot hand a sick kid over to a sitter. No. But there's also no showing, not showing up to your show. So this is where things become more difficult. And I will say that we will chance it and overlap some contracts with each other. Paul and I will by like a week because we'll chance it for a week. We're like, eh, how bad could it be in a week? But we don't do shows at the same time anymore. Like if we're both in evening shows, we stagger them. Like you take this contract and I'll take a contract later. We don't do like night shows at the same time Mm -hmm. because we don't have family here. Right. And if you have a sick kid, you have, somebody has to stay with that sick kid. Mm-hmm. So that's why we flip flop. Not so much of a big deal. If one of us is doing like a kid show during the day and one of us is doing a night, we can do that. Mm-hmm. But um, we do not do the same kind of like traditional eight show a week, yeah. you know, so at the same time, we just kind of made that decision pretty early on and just even having Sullivan, our first son, I think he was, we did like two shows at the same time and we just went like this, like we've chanced it enough and this is too hard. Like, it's just too hard. Right. That's a hard decision to do. Yeah. But it's a hard decision to make because then it becomes whose contract is more important, Mm -hmm. who needs to take that show. So that, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough one for actors to swallow. But I mean, you love your kid more than a show, you know what I mean? But that's tough stuff. It is especially if it's something that you like really, really, really want to do. Usually what ends up to be is one of us. It's like something we really, really want to do. And the other one's like, oh, that'd be a cool job. But okay, yeah, I can let that go, you know. And usually, usually producers, directors are very understanding to the fact that we're like, it's not that I don't want to do your show. It's not that I'm like not doing your show for another job. It's literally because we have a kid. Yeah, you're like, and now we have two kids, so. Right, we do have two kids. Yeah. How, so we are in, we are freshly in year, what I'm calling year two of the podcast. I know, year two, woo. Uh, Year one was September 1st, 2020 to September 1st, 2021. And so now, you know, I'm trying to 
shake things up a bit and keep it interesting. So my new favorite question of year two, which I, because um, I think this could go in so many different directions, but how do you define success? That is a very loaded question. <laughs> uh -huh. If my stock answer forever before having children, I defined success as working. I don't care where I'm working. I don't care if it's the biggest theater or if it's the tiniest theater. If I'm working and I'm continually like lining up shows, that is success to me. All I wanted to do was work. People are like, oh, do you want to go to Broadway? Do you want to make it to this? I'm like, I want to work. And however that makes its way through it, I want to work. I don't want to sit in a city for years going, I'm still here, but I'm not working. Mm -hmm. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. So that was what I defined as success. I think I still define, now I consider success is finding some kind of a balance between family and still not completely giving up theater. That is a very difficult thing for people who have children because they don't mesh easily with each other, time schedule wise, any schedule wise, they just don't. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's inherently part of my framework that I feel like if it goes away, there's a part of me that goes away. And I'm not ready for that to go, to do that. I've been offered teaching jobs. I've been offered lots of things where it'd be like, it'd be so easy to just take that, take that day job and just move on. I'm just not quite ready yet. And I might have a different answer when my kids are in full day school and you don't see them at all. That, that might become just different at that point. But right now I'm not ready to let it go. So yeah. we trudge on. Exactly. And so, and since you are the master juggler, <laughs> you don't have to let it go right now. You, you give me to. a lot of credit. You're giving me a lot of credit because you deserve it because you deserve it. Okay. How do you think that becoming a mother has sort of changed you as an artist? A lot less sleep, <laughs> so much less sleep. Um, it's funny you know, people always talk about baby brain and things like that. I didn't have that with Sullivan, but I did with Lila. And I think it's because there's even more lack of sleep when you have two, mm -hmm. because now when you have the first baby, you can nap when they sleep, but now you have two, you just can't be like, Hey, three-year-old, you're cool out there all by yourself. Right. I'm just going to go pop off with the baby. We'll be just fine. Right. You're not going to get anything bad right okay cool 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 no I think I felt like my brain didn't quite work when I came back from having Lila for a minute I felt like everything was very hard to get into there to stay for a second which was interesting um for me because that's not usually me and so it's come back but yeah it was really interesting after that I was like is this just lack of sleep or am I literally losing my brain? I might be losing my brain. I'm losing my brain. That's it. I'm losing my brain. No, but um, that's hard. That's, that's, that's changed me as a performer. Um, I'm a planner. I don't like to procrastinate and I have become 
theater stuff is sometimes had to become like on the back burner for longer than I would have put it back because of children, because it's just more important. So I've learned to do things more quickly. I can, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, choreograph a number in like two hot seconds on my way with a cup of coffee to the, you know, to the class. Like I can do it and I can do it quick because that's all you have. You have to work with the time that you have. And time is so little, it's so few, so, so little, so little time, so little time. So I think that's what's changed me most as a performer. I don't know. I don't think that there's anything else that I would like really pinpoint like that's so different now that I'm a mom. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think it's, it's, do you think it's made you more efficient because you do so, so you, you do prioritize like in terms of, for me, it's like, I have to be really good at time management. Yes. And, and if I'm not, well, then I just don't get everything done that needs to get done. Yes. I am extremely time efficient. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of that. Yes. But I kind of was geared that way already. <laughs> like I was, I, yeah. my brain worked that way. So it wasn't a huge change for me, but I definitely do more quicker now than I did before. Oh yeah. Well, because you have to, because it is, it is what is required of you. Yes, you are correct. Yes. Well, I, did you ever think that this pandemic would still be going on at this point? I did not. I hoped it wasn't. I hoped I hoped, I hoped, I hoped. I'm, mm, I wouldn't say I'm fully surprised, Yeah. but I really had great high hopes. And that's another thing, having children, young children um, with this has just, man, if you're already an actor, you're kind of a germaphobe already because once again, there's no sick days. So you know better than to touch a bunch of stuff and then touch your face, especially like in your on tour and everything else, you know, your regimen to keep yourself well. But man, whew, having small children who can't be vaccinated yet. And yeah, and COVID has made, it makes some real stressed out mamas. It just does, it just does. So, you know, one foot in front of the other. Keep trying to do the best you can. One day at a time. Good girl. <laughs> yep. Well, Broadway is reopening finally. A couple of shows. Yeah. I mean, I saw a couple things on, you know, Instagram Waitress recently reopened, Hades Town reopened. Um, very exciting. And a lot of stuff around the country is also starting to reopen or has been opened for a while. How do you want to see the theater world change as we move forward? I would love to see it somewhat continue what we saw pre-pandemic. As we spoke about a little bit earlier, I love that we're starting to be so body positive. I love that that hopefully continues, that we are not cookie cutters, that all race, creed, builds are allowed. You don't need that quintessential, you know, 
what we think of when we think of that character. So, you know, I, I love the thinking outside the box when it comes to casting and I hope that continues. Um, it's funny. I'm rounding back with this question. Um, because you were like, what have you found difficult? Uh, one of the things I found difficult as I've gotten older is um, you, you're starting to go into the mom roles, which is totally fine. It's where I'm at. But because of the age of vaccination, we're having to cast children older. <laughs> so, for example, Christmas Story would have tons of little kids right in that show well now they have to be 12 and older because they have to be vaccinated yeah. so they're having to hire giants as the adults to dwarf these 12 year old and up children to make them look like little kids that does not do a service to a five foot one actress you will never be there so that is something that's been difficult as i get older it has to be a director that doesn't care that i'm not that much taller than the children in the show and that doesn't happen all the time so i hope that that continues that people start to think outside the box um that you don't have to have that quintessential like oh you know, that mom is tall and that child is short because that doesn't happen anymore. Children are giants now. They're huge. <laughs> Their parents aren't always huge. So I guess I, I hope to see that continue. I, I just hope that a lot of theaters pop back up. That's my biggest hope. My biggest hope is that the little ones find a way back in. They find that way to like nose back in because I think they're important. I think they're actually really important from a kid who's from kind of a smaller town. Like the Clinton area showboat to me was really important. That was my access to theater. And it's a small company. So if they don't reappear, that's tons of people don't have the funds or the way to travel far to see amazing theater but they do have access to see something that's close to them. So that's why I hope that those theaters find a way to come back as we hopefully emerge from this continuing pandemic. Yeah. That's what I really hope because it's yeah. really important. It's really important to kids. It's just really important. It's so necessary. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I always, we always sort of end with a favorite theater memory or story. And I have one that involves you, but I'm, I, <laughs> but I'm going to let you go first. So do you have a favorite theater memory that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Sure. What if it's the same memory? That would be hilarious. I hope that it is. <laughs> um, actually, I was thinking about this and I was like, Those, that's such a hard question. I know. There's so many amazing moments, so yeah. many amazing moments. But here's the one that I can say that literally, even as I thought of it and started to speak it, I started to cry. So, you know, if it still gives you those emotions, then it's a pretty good one. I can't remember the theater but it was Christmas Carol and it was boughs and it was snowing on us and all the lights and they had different colored lights on us and 
they had these holograms of snowflakes just like going up the walls of the theater. And I know it was in the Northeast mm-hmm. of the country and it starts to snow on us and we've all bowed and we back up and Paul Kerr goes to the front of the stage and the whole audience just rises. And I went, ah, it just killed me. It still kills me. So it was amazing. It was a great standing O and he's gotten tons of standing O's, but for some reason that was just like, I just went, take a picture, take a picture in your brain. Remember this. And that's it. Yeah. I, some of the best moments and some of the craziest moments of my entire life have been spent on the national tour of a Christmas carol. (laughs) (laughs) I, I've done, how many times have you done? I've done the tour five times. How many times have you done the tour? I, I think my last time was a seven, Mm -hmm. seven, seven tours. Yeah. And we did the tour together once or twice. I can't remember. I think twice. Twice. I I think, think, I think twice. I think we did it twice. I think twice. That, (laughs) That sounds right. But I know at least one of those times we played Mrs. Crow and Mrs. Dilber yes together and that is one of my favorite theater memories because it was so much fun and I mean everybody knows the story of a Christmas Carol so in this version Crow and Dilber they're at the end of the show in Christmas Future it's the two ladies who come in and they steal the bed curtains and they steal uh the money from dead Scrooge in in the bed and they're just having a party and it's just a blast. It's so much fun to, and we had that quick change, like right before where it was super fast and we had to change really, really, really fast. And then we would always like get ready, um, to go on and just steal dead Scrooge's money and, and have a party. Yes. <laughs> That's fun. It was very fun. It was very, very fun. I know. And I, I, that was years ago. That was probably, gosh, 20, 12 maybe 2013 somewhere in there almost 10 yeah. years ago yeah that sounds about right wow that's about right I also am remembering I think it was our was our year of Crow and Dilber the first one where Susie was not a part of our rehearsal process uh maybe I can't and remember. they gave different I thought they gave us a different director and we came up with a version of the scene that they then changed at the end is that correct that seems right yeah we had and that that's a good story for for actors that was a tough one for both of us to kind of swallow we were given liberties in rehearsal to change it up they said they wanted to change it up they didn't want to do the same like Christmas Carol, this tour was pretty cookie cutter. Like you hit your mark, you go to this word or this spot on stage on this word. But they had given us liberties in that scene to play. And we had come up with quite a bit of play and quite a bit of fun. Yeah. Which was making people laugh a lot. But at the end, we were just about to go on tour. It was tech. They they pulled it. Yeah. They pulled it. They pulled our changes and they said, we're sorry, we let you get this far. We shouldn't have let you get this far, but we're going to make you go back to doing <laughs> basically what had always been done in that scene with us doing it, which is different. Yeah. But I remember us being so bummed because I know. we had like honed this stuff. I mean, we had gotten to tech. We were like <laughs> ready to go. And they were like, we're pulling it. We went, 
man, man. But we we took it, we took it, we moved on. But yeah, I remember that being like, man, poop. I know we were just having fun, and it was funny. But you know, <laughs> but sometimes that's what happens. That's the way the cookie crumbles on the Christmas Carol tour. Uh, Paul has made this joke for a very long time. He has said, oh, I was going to do it funny, but I guess I'll do it your way. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's maybe not the best thing to say, but it's funny. And and true. (laughs) And true. But no, I just remember being like, this is a life lesson. Like, this is one of those, like, that you hear about, you know, like, you're just like, wow okay, this is a tough one, but we, you know, we bounced back. We still had fun. We still found ways to have fun and kind of put our own spin on things. So, but no, it's a great memory of mine. Oh yeah. The Crow Dilber scenes. Oh heck yeah. That's way fun. That's what I look forward to the whole show. Yeah. That's the fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Kirsten, thank you so much for, I mean, I know how busy you are and for taking the time to chat with me tonight. And it's, it's so nice, especially when we sort of have this quiet time after the kids go to bed to hang out with a friend who I haven't, it's been so long since we've seen each other in person. I know. I know. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. This has been lovely. And yes, it is a treat. It's always a treat to speak face-to-face with someone that you don't get to see for a long time and and also just you know shoot the breeze with have a good time yeah and have a lot in common exactly <laughs> share the same struggles and hopefully in the future we will get to work on another show together I think that would be absolutely amazing let's make it happen let's make it happen